You are tuning in to On The Money with Dynamic Funds, a podcast series that delivers access to some of the industry's most experienced active managers and thought leaders. We're sitting down to ask them the pertinent questions to find out their insights on the market environment and navigating the investment landscape. Welcome to another edition of On The Money. I'm your host, Mark Brisley. You know, for a good chunk of the past two decades, Canadian investors have been captivated by the appeal of US, global, and international companies, while really underappreciating the high-quality Canadian companies available to us at home. As a result, many of our best-in-class Canadian companies now trade at a discount to their global peers and offer attractive growth potential, solid dividends, and the familiarity of being companies well-recognized in the lens of most Canadians. To dive a little deeper on the subject, I'm pleased to be joined by Portfolio Manager Don Simpson to discuss topics currently driving Canadian equity markets. Don and his team manage over $7.5 billion in primarily Canadian-focused assets over his nearly three decades of investing experience. He's forged a reputation for constructing well-diversified, rigorously researched, and attractively valued portfolios in a potentially rewarding, but also sometimes turbulent Canadian investing landscape. Don, really appreciate you being here with us today. So look, you've been doing this a long time as a seasoned portfolio manager and you have managed funds globally. Why are you allocating and showing more interest in having your portfolios towards Canada and what factors are making Canada a compelling place to invest right now? I have to say, you know, having done this for over a couple decades, what I've seen is Canada goes in and out of favor every once in a while with international investors. And what I've seen today is complete apathy uh, for Canadian investments, not only international investors, but actually among Canadians themselves, as people seem a little more excited about going outside the borders. So for the first time I've seen in a long, long time, I'm able to buy extremely high quality companies in Canada, but buy them at a valuation discount that normally you wouldn't see. Having done this for a while, what I found was you used to have to pay up for the higher quality Canadian companies. Right now, I'm actually buying them cheaper. I think what's happened is there was a dislocation, especially uh, when the pandemic onset came on and, and you had financials and commodity companies as a big part of our index. And I think people left and they still haven't come back. But when they do come back, they'll see we've got the same great companies and we've got a recovering economy. We've got a great financial system. We have universal health care. We have all the things that make for a great economic recovery. So I don't expect these discounts to last forever. So I think it's a great time to get in now. So, you know, you talk about Canada having high quality business operating in favorable competitive environments, and that's obviously core and fundamental to your process when screening businesses. But what are some of the other investment criteria besides just quality that you look for when you're selecting these companies? The obvious one that that most people would point to is valuation. But you know what? I think everyone focuses on valuation. What I don't think investors focus on enough and it's probably harder to do is just the importance of management. We spend among our team probably the most time assessing management teams. And 
What we want are management teams that are proven winners, that are ideally very aligned with shareholders, which means they own a lot of stock in the companies themselves. One of the benefits in Canada is that we get to meet the management teams virtually as often as you want. And that really means at least once a year. And for some of these management teams, we've been meeting them you know, for 20 years plus straight. So what we can find are when there are changes in management, either for the better or for the worst. And some of the best investments I've made in my career have come from identifying when a management team of a good business has significantly improved, but the market hasn't yet identified how powerful that can be. So we spend a lot of time really drilling into these management teams and seeing if we can find something before the market does, good or bad. And we find because it doesn't show up in a spreadsheet and it's very hard to model, it's an area where we can make a lot of money over the long term. Some of the best investments over my career have come from not necessarily being first, but being early when you have a great management team take over a business. You know, many of our listeners, I think, would understand as well that, you know, when you think about Canadian markets, just in general, we certainly have a profile that would say it's dominated by, you know, only a few sectors. One of those would be the financial sector. And I think they would also agree that Canada has a robust financial system, and that's been proven over uh, periods of, you know, volatility and, and Canada coming out of that quite strong with respect to financial companies. What are your current thoughts on that sector specifically, banks, insurance companies, and some of the world-class Canadian alternative asset managers that exist? There's no question our financial companies are battle-tested and proven. We saw it in the financial crisis. Uh, Our banks were some of the only ones in the world not to have to cut their dividends, not to need a bailout. And, you know, we, we have a very conservative regulator and I think it's done well for our economy over time. So when I look at the banks and the insurance companies today, they were extremely conservative in the pandemic, and it was partly due to the regulator. They probably reserved too much. They were very prudent on their lending. And what we've seen is uh, they've emerged with great balance sheets that are way too strong. And, And what we're seeing is they're now starting to release some of that capital. It's coming in the form of double-digit dividends and share buybacks. And I think the, the earnings outlook for the Canadian banks and insurers looks extremely robust as we go forward. So I feel very good about those. Now, when we get on to the, you know, the non-bank financials and, and some of these asset managers or non-traditional asset managers, Over time, uh, there's been some family-run companies that have done really well through the cycles, but they haven't always been transparent or investor-friendly, and it's probably hurt their stock prices. What we've seen over the past five years is some of these companies, they've decided that they really care about their share prices, and I think the market hasn't noticed. And so they're doing things to simplify They're being more investor friendly, making their structures way less complicated. And those decisions are showing up in much better financial results, which has helped the stock price. But despite that, 
a lot of these companies are still trading at discounts because people still look at them as the way they used to be and not the way they are today. So we can buy some of these high quality asset managers at you know 20 to 30% discounts to their hard asset values. And I think as investors realize just how much more investor friendly these companies are today, these discounts won't last. So it's a great situation today where the asset values are rising and you're buying them at a discount to their asset values. But we now feel it's okay to share this secret with everyone else and let them in because we've got great investments and, and we're happy to let some other shareholders pay a little bit more for them. But we think we're really set up well with these businesses today. John, if we uh, think about some of the things that are um, front and center right now for a lot of investors, it's hard to open a newspaper and not hear about supply chain issues or labor shortages. But I guess at the root of all that is people are concerned about what's the impact on all of those things in terms of inflation and inflation pressures. What are you hearing from your conversations with management teams and the businesses that you're dealing with? And are you concerned about inflation? And how are the companies that you're invested in position to handle a period of potentially higher than normal inflation? Yeah, it's a concern for all businesses today and, and the ones we're meeting. And, and what, what we don't know is how much is transitory and how much is permanent. And at the end of the day, we don't really know this. But what we do know is there is a lot of inefficiency in the supply chain. And there's a lot too many things that are trying to go through a place that doesn't have capacity for them. And so anytime you have that, you're definitely going to have spikes in prices. You know, we have a lot of the labor market right now where people have been given money not to go to work. They're flush with cash and, and now companies are having to pay people to come back to work. And, and so I don't think all these situations with the government bailouts and everything else are going to be permanent, but they definitely could last longer than people think. So when we're talking with companies, what they're doing is they're taking price where they can. And, you know, the higher quality companies that tend to be able to get price. And as long as prices don't go up too much. And so that's one of the things we look for in our portfolio are businesses with pricing power. Uh, the other thing we look for are businesses with higher margins. Higher margins are just a great buffer for when things go wrong. Uh, if you're operating at razor thin margins and your costs go up, the impact on your earnings is really uh, multiplied. And so we're looking for businesses with higher margins and with some pricing power. Now, within Canada, we have a lot of businesses that will benefit from some inflation, uh, either because interest rates rise a bit or because a little higher prices is good for their business. And so um, businesses like the financials, they should stand to benefit. Grocers, they stand to benefit from a little inflation. Uh, we also, you know, in the commodity businesses, they tend to see their the price of their commodities go up higher than quicker than their costs do. And, and so it's benefits for them as well. So what we just make sure is that we have enough businesses in the portfolio that have offsets to, you know, balance off the ones that might not necessarily do well in an inflationary environment. But, you know, I think a lot of that's priced in. And the other thing is we don't know when these supply chains uh, will improve and just how much that'll change things. So we never want to make a one-way bet on inflation, 
but it's definitely a concern and for all the business we own and and something that we uh, are keeping on top of. I think another area that's top of mind, Don, for a lot of Canadians is the issue around housing. You know, and of course, you know, affordable housing being one of the, the biggest issues, but it does seem appropriate to ask you about the Canadian real estate market with your background, having previously run a mortgage trading department. And I guess the question is, are you concerned about a potential unwinding of, of prices or this, you know, this hot real estate market if interest rates do rise in the near future? You know, and I guess everything from the word bubble to just people predicting that this is going to happen. And what are some of the ripple effects that that could cause to other areas of the Canadian economy? Yeah, I've been hearing about the bubble in the Canadian housing market for some time. And I will say the recent rise in house prices is it's not healthy for the economy. It's not good. So it's something that we are well aware of. And is it top of my worries? I wouldn't say that it's top of my worries, but it is a cause for concern. Why is it not the top of my worries? I'd say, well, one is, you know, at the rate of change they've gone up, it just can't keep going up like that forever. So a pullback is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Most people have significant equity in their homes. So yes, that'll hurt the last buyers that are in, in terms of their equity in the home, but when we talk to the banks themselves, which are big investments for us, they're extremely well reserved in this case and, and could probably withstand a 10 to 15% drop without having to go into the reserves. So that's, you know, from one side, what we've talked about. The other is, you know, like lower prices will help affordability. And I think at some point in time, supply has to catch up to demand. It is a big problem in Canada and we just haven't built enough houses or or homes or apartments or whatever for all the demand long term the one of canada has is we just have a lot of immigration and you know we have a lot of people coming in the workforce and so my biggest concern is not house prices but rather when you have a drop in house prices uh, that coincides with a recession that's when you have a problem Right now, I feel pretty good about the state of our economy and where we're going. We're later kind of getting our economy started than a lot of the world, Uh, but we have higher vaccination rates. We have a great medical system. And so I think as, as the world looks better ahead for Canada in particular, it's probably something on the further horizon that I'd worry about. Um, but it's more something I worry about when I'm more worried about going into a recession than I am just particularly the price where we are. Yeah, you know, some interesting points in there. One of the things we've talked about a lot lately is, uh, you know, things that were accelerated by COVID or COVID accelerants. And one of those was people jumping into the, you know, secondary housing market or vacation properties and using equity in, in current homes. And a lot of conversation right now that I'm hearing is, you know, have people overextended themselves in terms of, you know, leveraging that equity and an interest rate rise sort of creates some turmoil. Is that on your mind or, you know, is that more a household balance sheet issue that you don't think is as broad as maybe it's being talked about? I think about who are the people that you're probably talking with. And these are, you know, who is worried about spending that extra money on on a cottage and who's upset that they're having to pay two million dollars for a cottage in Muskoka that used to cost you know a million dollars a few years ago but part of it is just the amount of money 
that people have of equity in their homes and you know the inability to invest it in anything that feels like it it has value i think part of it is just the money supply has gone up so much um and so yes anytime you hear about bidding wars you know it's not a healthy sign but again you know where we really got in trouble in the past was when you know when people were you know speculation's never good but really the problems we had in the past had to do with the economy and what percentage of the economy was particularly in the US where they had just too much money that was tied to housing it's something i worry about uh in terms of any time prices go up but i think it's more of a problem of a i'd say it the people at the higher end of the market that are doing this the real people you worry about are the the people have to get into their first houses and 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 that's where you know the government and the private sector is going to have to find solutions to make affordable housing and so i i think that'll happen over time it's easy for investors to be worried about cuz they can see it themselves when you see it yourselves it's actually good it's not something hidden in the system uh but it is something you know i would worry more if the banks weren't in such great financial shape and if the lending part you know if we start hearing more about people getting money from weird sources then i'd start to really worry in the past housing crisis it was it was really caused by a lot of money that was going into securitized vehicles that were being funded by people who didn't even know what they were doing and that just created a huge supply of money to the system i don't think that's the case today uh but it's something definitely to uh, to keep on watch for another area that's emerging significantly across the investing landscape not just in canada but globally is the aspect of esg of course referring to environmental social and governance factors this is becoming an increasing part of investment conversations at all levels, Don. And, and I think you've mentioned in the past that you know greater emphasis on ESG factors will potentially provide outsized opportunities in the Canadian market. So just wanted to get you know to you to expand your thinking here on, on the importance of this and you know the impact it's going to have on portfolios. Yeah, it's interesting, right? This uh, ESG, as it's called today, you know, anytime you have an acronym, it, you, you know, it's a hot topic, and so. Um, let's just call it good governance and that people should have been focused on this for you know we've been focusing when we talk about focusing on management teams and other things you know it's really important not just what you make but how you make your profits and and so i think it's become a very hot topic and it feels good to invest in ethical and social and well-governed companies and so a lot of money has gone into that space and any time a lot of money goes into an area and you have a new you know kind of a new sector yes opportunities created because it changes how people look at businesses you know on one side you'll have businesses in in extractive industries such as commodity producers and they're all viewed uh with one lens and when you have a situation like that what you have is investors who because of their you know their investment committee or whatever saying that we can't invest in a dirty commodity or a company that pollutes the universe you have to sell um and it creates 
a lot of opportunity because you know anytime you have forced selling of what could be good businesses but are characterized as bad um, you know there's an opportunity there uh, the discount rate goes extremely high and you get a chance to buy good businesses that may not be the bad actors people think but they didn't have the time to do the homework and so we think that's always a great opportunity for us on the flip side what you have are businesses that get new capital simply because they're in a space or they're they're uh, deemed to be either great social great for society in one way or the other and it could be you know green energy producers or it could be some other thing and so on that side these companies have their discount rates uh, go down more than they should and you have a pile of money go in and there's an opportunity to sell businesses that you thought were okay but at valuations that don't make any sense other than because of a lower discount rate and so i think there's two sides to this and so anytime you know what you think a company's worth and you know it's long-term future you can benefit from this i said it i don't think it's going to end i think it's a very it's a great thing that more people are worried about not just what the companies make but how they make it and i don't think it's going to end so from our side it, it creates more opportunity and and we've uh, you know we we we've seized on that over over the past couple of years well, Don, we've unpacked a lot of key issues relative to the Canadian investing landscape. I guess uh, my final question for you is just as you're looking forward, and you know, I, I think we can confidently say we're in a period of recovery coming out of a global pandemic, but it's probably a recovery like no other uh, in, in a lot of ways with a lot of questions still to be answered. Final words of advice as you're looking ahead to 2022 for, for investors that are listening today. The most important thing investors can do is not get caught up in the day-to-day minutiae, uh, but rather have a long-term plan and think about what the world is gonna look like, not just this year, but look three to five years down the road. And it allows you to look past a lot of the headlines, uh, a lot of the things that are popular today that may not be in the future, and you know look past the things. Uh, you know, there's, there's gonna be, I think we're gonna get to Zed with the names of the variants we're gonna see. I guess it's Omicron today. What's most important is to look at, you know, take a long-term approach and think, where can I get the best returns today with the most reasonable level of risk? And when I look at that today, I find Canada is still kind of in the penalty box. Maybe it's because of Fears people have over reliance on our financial system. People could be worried about the housing market because it is hot today. People might be worried about inflation. They could be worried about a whole bunch of things. But I think when people look through things and they say, uh, where's a great place to live? Where's a great place to work? Where's got a good healthcare system, a great education system? And where am I getting businesses that attract evaluations? I'll come to Canada. and. I think they'll look back and say, you know, if you invest in Canada today, three to five years down the road, you'll be well rewarded in the future. And so that's how I, I'm pretty excited about Canada Day. I've, I've been talking about it for over a year. It's done well. So it's, you know, valuations are not as cheap as they were a year ago. 
That's definitely the case. But within the context of global investing, I feel Canada stacks up really well today. To touch on what Don said as well, that to take his points into consideration, all of us at Dynamic agree too that the best thing for investors is to seek the advice of a qualified investment professional. And Don, appreciate uh, all your comments today. We covered a lot of ground and appreciate you being with us. Thanks very much. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. This has been another edition of On The Money. On behalf of all of us at Dynamic, we wish you continued good health and safety. You've been listening to another edition of On The Money with Dynamic Funds. For more information on Dynamic and our complete fund lineup, contact your financial advisor or visit our website at dynamic.ca. This audio has been prepared by 1832 Asset Management LP and is provided for information purposes only. Views expressed regarding a particular investment, economy, industry, or market sector should not be considered an indication of trading intent of any of the mutual funds managed by 1832 Asset Management LP. These views are not to be relied upon as investment advice, nor should they be considered a recommendation to buy or sell. These views are subject to change at any time based upon markets and other conditions, and we disclaim any responsibility to update such views. To the extent this audio contains information or data obtained from third-party sources, it is believed to be accurate and reliable as of the date of publication. But 1832 Asset Management LP does not guarantee its accuracy or reliability. Nothing in this document is or should be relied upon as a promise or representation as to the future. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compound total returns including changes in unit values. And reinvestment of all distributions does not take into account sales, redemption or option changes or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.